Hello friends, my name is Jen Brothers. I serve as Interim Ministry Coordinator for Youth and Young Adults at Second Presbyterian Church on Mountain Avenue in beautiful Roanoke, Virginia. Thanks for tuning into our podcast, Second on the Mount. I believe our God is living and active in our lives and in this world. I believe God's will is healing, redemption, and wholeness for everyone. I believe Holy Scripture bears witness to this countercultural truth. The more we delve into it, the more we can allow it to challenge us, comfort us, and sustain us on our earthly journey. We're so glad you're here. The grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Please pray with me. Come Holy Spirit, giver of life. Breathe into us that we may hear a word of truth this day. Draw us into communion. Enable us to love. Conspire to make us one with you for the world you so deeply love. Amen. A reading from 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who was from the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be astonished, brothers and sisters, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Whoever does not love abides in death. All who hate a brother or sister are murderers, and you know that murderers do not have eternal life abiding in them. We know love by this that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. This is the word of God for the people of God. The coronavirus is reaching terrifying new levels in the United States, is the headline in my daily news briefing. I need a sign that your kingdom is coming, Lord. Political polarization among Americans in the past 40 years has outpaced the political division among other democracies, researchers concluded in a 2020 study. And I only need to consider what I can and cannot talk about with family and friends to feel the sting of this statement. I need the hope of reconciliation, Lord. We can't breathe, the Reverend Dr. William Lee said in a live stream conversation right here on racism in America. When you live in a country, he said, that refuses to have universal health care, we can't breathe. When you work in McDonald's, Burger King, and Hardee's, and you have no leave, your child gets sick at school, there's no sick child care. If you leave work and go take care of your child, the chance that your job is not going to be there when you go back, you can't breathe, he said. 
He told us we were having a hard time breathing. And so we saw, with George Floyd not being able to breathe, a collective sense for a lot of black people we are having a hard time breathing in America. I need to see resurrection, Lord. I need a sign I can hang my hat on because I'm surrounded by death. Death of the body, death of relationships, death of the dream of a country where everyone can equally breathe. But from this ancient letter, a voice calls out to us. Listen. We don't have to wait on proof that God's kingdom is coming. The key to eternal life, the evidence that death will not have the last word, can be seen right here and right now if we don't stand in the way of it. We will be the proof of God's new creation if we choose to love one another with the same love God has shown to us. We know that we have crossed from death to life, this text proclaims, because we love one another. 1 John is a message for a community in conflict. There's some sort of disagreement in this church, probably concerning whether Jesus was both fully human and fully divine. People are divided against each other. Relationships are dying. The lines are being drawn, and the choices made will significantly impact the future of this community. At the heart of the section I just read, the writer is calling everyone to love one another in concrete, actionable, self-sacrificing ways. This call to love in truth and action, it isn't new to them, just like it isn't new to us today. This is the message you have heard from the beginning, the writer says. You already know this. We are to love one another as Jesus has loved us. Even when we disagree, even when we fear schism, even when we feel like our neighbor is against us, the love Jesus has shown us is always our end goal. When you practice this love, the writer says, you have eternal life abiding within you. But it's difficult to love those who challenge us. If it weren't so hard, the writer of this text would not have to mention it. It goes against all instinct to love someone whom we see as a threat to our family, our community, or our own sense of self. When someone is on the opposite side of the aisle, lives on the opposite side of the tracks, or tries to pull us in the opposite direction of where we want to go, love is rarely the first, second, or third response. I'm convinced Jesus knew this, or he wouldn't have had to add, love your neighbor as yourself to the great commandment. He wouldn't have named love as the hallmark of his disciples unless he was calling us to practice a love unique to him. Love that stands in stark contrast to the ways of the world. Love we cannot access without divine help. Loving those who love us, that's easy. 
loving those who want to be loved by us. That's easier still. But when loving others requires us to sacrifice our traditions, change the way we've made sense of the world thus far, or see ourselves in a less than favorable light, that's tough. We have these instructions because this love goes against the grain of our culture and our basic survival instincts. This love takes work. But Jesus and this letter's author don't call us to this love simply because it's difficult. We don't have these instructions to make us feel bad when we miss the mark or to somehow prove our worth as Christians when we succeed. This call to love with Jesus' love has never been about collecting merits or demerits on our spiritual report cards. It's about making the passage from spiritual death to living eternally with God, here and now. It's about manifesting tangible evidence of the resurrection power that was unleashed upon this world when Jesus died and rose again. What this writer is trying to tell us is that when we love others as Jesus has loved us, we live into the fullness of Christ's resurrection. We don't have to wait until we physically transition from death to eternal life. Eternal life begins when we allow Christ's love for us to flow through us. It's worth noting what this death-defying love that brings heaven crashing into earth looks like. And our writer spells it out. It's not a feeling. And it's not primarily expressed in words. It brings freedom to those who encounter it. The best example we have is Jesus' own act of laying down his life for ours. It's agape love, a love that doesn't look to protect itself, but instead surrenders to the well-being of others, even at its own expense. It's God's love for us. It's Jesus' love for us. It flows into us through the Spirit. We're soaked in this love because we're soaked in it, because we know this love, because we claim it for ourselves, we're to share it. We're to share it with others through actions that bear witness to the hope that we proclaim God's kingdom is coming. One day, it will fully be here. And when it is, Death will be no more. Enemies will be friends. Everyone will have what they need. Love will rule all hearts. All that's broken will be restored. Everyone and everything will be made whole. Loving others through action that bears witness to this truth is especially challenging right now. Our well-worn avenues for loving and being loved, eating and drinking, parties, weddings, and travel, those have all been cut off. In this season of pandemic, loving others looks like the opposite of what we would normally do. Social distancing, mask wearing, 
canceling programs. None of these actions come naturally to us, but we curb our behaviors to save the lives of those who are most vulnerable to this disease. It's hard to curb our behaviors for the sake of others, especially those we don't really know. But loving others as Christ has loved us requires us to put the welfare of the vulnerable above our very own. That's what Jesus did. Put our welfare above his own. And God wrought a miracle through that. Resurrection. New life. During this summer of pandemic, we're also being asked to practice sacrificial love in ways that are even more challenging than mask wearing and social distancing to preserve lives. The deaths of Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and so many others have forced many of us, and by us I mean white Christians, to see what we have denied or ignored for too long, the pervasive existence of racial inequality in America. So now, many of us are doing the difficult work of listening to the voices of black people through our church's 21-day racial justice challenge. As we read, follow the news, and talk more and more about racism, we're learning that the deck remains stacked against a whole group of people in ways that we hadn't realized. We're being told that this system helps white people at the expense of others. And these are difficult words to hear. They are painful to absorb. It's natural to want to push them away. But this isn't what love does. Love listens. Love is pained by the pain of another. Love shifts to accommodate another's needs. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And love endures all things. It's not enough for Christians to profess to love others in word only. Just as it never would have been enough for God just to say, I love you to us. No, the power in God's love is that it became action. It took on flesh and bone. It walked and talked. It healed bodies and exercised demons. It challenged authorities, overturned systems, fed the hungry, and widened the circle so all would be welcome. All would have enough. This kind of love creates conflict. The love we know through Jesus is not the world's norm. So when we practice it, there's going to be pushback. But don't misinterpret the pushback for failure. Something miraculous happens when we love as Christ loved. When we put the welfare of others above our own need to be right or comfortable or in charge, the power of the resurrection becomes manifest. Here, now, on this side of the veil, the forces in opposition to God's kingdom are overthrown and heaven's on earth border grows. Every day, we have the chance to move from death to life. It's as simple and as difficult as moving from hate to love.
To choose anything but love is to choose to remain in death. The love we are called to cannot be fulfilled through word or song. This love is self-sacrificial action sourced from the miracle of Christ's resurrection, and it's available to us in our homes, in our relationships, and in the most intractable problems we face. The good news is that we're not being asked to share something we haven't already been given. God will not ask us to do what God has not already done for us. Christ's love has been poured out upon us. It's in us. May this boundless, healing, redeeming love become action that moves us and all of creation from death to life. Amen. Second Presbyterian, Finding Direction by Following Jesus.